This is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even your father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, having neither done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Go ahead. Okay. Mm -hmm. 15, I think okay. you're on, huh? What verse yeah. is that? Verse 15? Yeah. Mm -hmm. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomsoever, on whomever I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, even for this same purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, <clears throat> and whom he wills, he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another vessel for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. As indeed, he says, those that were not my people will, I will call my people and her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And in this very place where it was said to them, you are my people, there will be a called, they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaac cried out concerning Isaac uh, through the number of the sons of Israel, be as the sands of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. Uh, for the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth uh, fully and without delay. And as Isaac predicted, if the Lord of hosts has not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and had become like Gomorrah. What shall we, 
what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not uh, pursue righteousness have obtained it? That is the righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who purchased a law that would lead to righteous, righteousness did not uh, succeed to reach the law, to reach that law. Why? Because it did not pursue it by faith, but as it were by on works, based on works. They have submitted over uh, the stumbling stone. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, bless the reading of his word. Amen. Boy, you can really see the heart of Paul right in the very beginning. He When he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish uh, in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I mean, he... He was an Israelite, and uh, he wanted to see his brothers and the, and the flesh saved. Yet he was a, uh, a called an apostle to the Gentiles. He still had all this love in his heart for his brothers. Uh, yeah, we see in Acts chapter where he got saved that um, the Lord says uh, when Ananias came to pray for him and remove the scales from his eyes, and he said, he's a chosen vessel to me that I may show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so the Lord revealed himself to Paul and Paul thought that he was doing God a service when he was persecuting the church. But we see in John's gospel, chapter one, that he came unto his own and his own received him not. And they, how they hated him, how they, it was like the hatred that the, uh, the sons of Jacob had for Joseph when they sold him into, into Egypt and how they hated everything about Joseph. But he was the one that they had to come to get food from and they were speechless when he introduced himself mm. but paul sees the um they he sees the fate that is about to fall on the nation of israel and he he can't he he's he's not um he, he's he's tremendously moved by what their fate is going to be they're going to suffer great things there's going to be a time of jacob's trouble mm -hmm. such as was never on the earth and then god is going to preserve a remnant through it mm -hmm. and they will come out but 
if you see beforehand what's to take place, it's very unnerving. And Paul says, I wish I could be accursed for my brethren. Mm. And we see too at the cross where the nation of Israel said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. And furthermore, they said, we have no king but Caesar. So the Lord Jesus was totally rejected by the nation of Israel. And somehow Paul, after he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus, his heart went out to his brethren who had done everything they could to wipe out any knowledge and any uh, semblance of understanding of who the Lord Jesus was. And so he saw that there was a tremendous, a tremendous burden on Paul's heart for the nation of Israel. Mm. I think part of the reason was because Paul was there. He yeah. was just like the rest of the Jews. In fact, he thought he was doing God's will when he was going out uh, yes. uh, persecuting Christians. Uh, and I find that interesting that when he, when the Lord did appear to him, the Lord said, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecute me? Now, he wasn't persecuting the Lord directly, but he was persecuting the church. Yes. The, head, the head was in heaven, but the Lord's body, the church, is still on earth. Yes. And Paul was persecuting uh, the church. And uh, when he saw the light, uh, literally saw the light that uh, and uh, came to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's seen his error. And he's seen how his brothers in the flesh, his kinsmen, were in the same condition. And it would take a um, awakening, uh, opening their eyes to the truth, just like Paul's eyes were opened up. And uh, so I believe Paul probably prayed for his kinsmen quite often. Uh, we got to remember that even the Lord in the Gospel of John talked about uh, a tree. Uh, and the branches being grafted in. And uh, we know that uh, the Gentiles were grafted in to that tree and that one day those grafted branches uh, will be replaced and the new branches or the old branches will be brought back in. Israel we be brought back in and in one day it says that all of Israel will come to know the Lord yeah and that's that prophecy out of Ezekiel those bones those dry bones <laughs> yeah, they're gonna come alive again Zechariah though sure shows that there'll be a bloody a bloody um period just before he uh, re re returns, establishes his kingdom again. Uh, it's amazing that description, that description in Zechariah of how many of Israel will die 
um, in that last stage, that last attempt of mm -hmm. the world against uh, Jesus. And um, it's uh, sobering to uh, realize the um, amount of loss of life in Israel, how few that there will be a minority saved, but many will die uh, there just, just at the end. Zechariah is, is almost as scary as Revelation. Yeah. We think about uh, verse 27, and Israel uh, cries out uh, concerning, uh, and Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sands of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. There won't be many Jews left after the tribulation, but those that are left will all come to know the Lord. They'll see, they're, they're, they'll see the one whom they pierced. That's what the scriptures tell us. You know, I I, I got an insight on that, um, the difference between those who will perish in the judgment and those who are redeemed and carried into the kingdom. There in verse 30, verse 22, um, where it says that, uh, what if God wanting to know, to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath. Now the King James says the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. But the Hebrew, I mean the Greek, I'm sorry, the Greek in that is the word prepared is the middle voice, which means that it should the correct reading of that is. Uh, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath who prepared themselves for destruction mm -hmm. and and that middle voice shows that they had a say in you know that they 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 prepared themselves for destruction it was it was they weren't forced into destruction they prepared themselves and for destruction, uh, for the destruction that God would send on the ungodly. Um, I really like that distinction that um, they prepared themselves for judgment. Yeah. I think a good example would be Pharaoh. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Right. But, but Pharaoh hardened his heart before God even hardened right. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that that hardening, that hardening has the connotation of um, when it says that God hardened his heart, <clears throat> it has the connotation of God brought out what was already in Pharaoh's heart. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that God made his heart hard. His heart was already hard. Right. And God brought that out mm -hmm. in the things that happened. I think it's very interesting that we see in Egypt. <clears throat> with the plagues how even every plague that came along pharaoh refused to repent he refused to um, fall down before the lord 
And we see the same thing in Revelation when the plagues hit in Revelation, that men refused to give God the glory and they refused to repent because of the plagues. And then we read, I think it's in 1 Corinthians where we read, it is the love of Christ that constrains us. It's the love, if we see his love, that's what is going to draw us to him, is his love. And it's judgment is inevitable and judgment will come, but it's not, it's not going to cause men to repent. They're going to blaspheme God. They're going to curse God and continue to um, go their own way. Mm. In verse 7, it says, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. And we think about <clears throat> Abraham had Ishmael before he had Isaac. And Abraham wanted to put Ishmael in as the son of promise. But God said, no, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And Ishmael had 12 sons, just as Jacob had 12 sons. And each one of Ishmael's sons became a prince. And then after Isaac, after Sarah died, Abraham took Keturah, and they had seven more children, and they were all princes, they were all kings, and out of each one of those came a nation. So there's 19 nations that come out of Abraham, plus the children of Israel makes 20 nations yeah. that came out of the loins of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So it so says just because they were the seed of Abraham, it doesn't mean that uh, they're going to be part of the promise. It was in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found that kind of interesting that uh, Ishmael had 12 sons. Isaac had 12 sons. Uh, and that uh, if you look at it, it's like, Satan is counterfeiting. <laughs> yes. You know what yes. I mean? It, that's exactly what's happening. Yes. And, uh, it says that, and his brothers will, uh, uh, there'll be a terror. Uh, yes. And and that's what we see today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, he, shall be, he shall be a wild man, and every man's hand shall be against him, and his hand shall be against every man. Yeah. And uh, yep. it's it's being born born out today when you see the hatred and the the fighting with the uh, the Arabs and yep. the people of the Middle East and so I know. that's where all that uh, fighting's going on in the Middle East and that's why uh, the the neighbors of Israel hate Israel. Uh, yeah, this has been going on since the beginning of uh, the sons Abraham. of Abraham, yeah. yeah. Now, the scripture that you read, um, Dan, verse 13, and as it is written, Jacob I love and Esau I hate it. Uh, I have some references on uh, that word because it's used, it's a very harsh word when it says, and Esau, I hate it. We see that in the Gospel of Luke and 
chapter 14 where the Lord uh, says, uh, unless you hate mother and father, uh, you know, you cannot follow me. Well, uh, it's more of a word of preferred, and it's not that uh, God already had made a choice even before the the children were born, so it wasn't based on on works or anything. But you can see the heart of Israel, or I mean, I'm sorry, the heart of Esau and the heart of Jacob as they were growing up. They both, neither one of them really deserved the Lord. Uh, That's right. Yeah, because I mean, Jacob, he was a conniver. Yes. And Esau, he despised his birthright. And yes. uh, they were two peas in a pod. But it yep. was uh, uh, the sovereign will of God. And uh, he said that the older would serve the younger. It was all predetermined by God. Yeah. It's interesting um, when you look at um, two sons, you know, you have Esau and you have Jacob. And you go back further and you go back to Cain and you have Abel mm -hmm. and then Seth. You know, mm -hmm. Cain killed Abel, but then Seth was the, the son of promise. And you see in Abraham, there was Ishmael and then there was the son of promise that was Isaac. And the first son is always the son of the flesh or son after the flesh. And the second son is the spiritual one. Mm -hmm. And we see that when we read that um, the first Adam was, uh, I'm sorry, I, I lost it. But anyway, in the second Adam was a quickening spirit or a quickening soul. So the first Adam was our father, Adam, who had Eve. And the second Adam is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came as the spiritual savior of the world. And so we have that, that, um, type throughout scripture where we have the first one is the son after the flesh and the second one is the son after the spirit yeah and it seems like you have that throughout the whole scripture in fact even in my uh, man's concept and all his stories and whatnot there's always a good and the evil a good and the evil uh and you're going to have that right up to the end. Yeah. Now, somebody made a comment on one of my my uh, videos. Uh, you know, God could have ended this whole thing. Why didn't he just kill Satan? Well, yeah. first of all, you can't kill Satan. In fact, you can't really kill anybody that is made in the image of God. You can't kill an angel. You can't kill a human. Uh, physically, you can, but not spiritually, because we are eternal beings. We're going to yeah. exist forever. That's the way. That's why we've been made in the image of God. And uh, so, killing Satan wouldn't have solved anything. God had a deal with the underlying problem, and that was sin. Killing yeah. Satan would still not have done away with sin yeah it was already in man 
Uh, of course, Satan helps bring it out. There's uh, Satan, the world, and the flesh. But uh, God had a deal with the sin problem. And that's the way I answered the post. Killing Satan was not going to solve the problem. Uh, yep. But God has prepared a place for him and the fallen angels. <clears throat> yes. You know, I, uh, I uh, am really excited uh, by the fact that our God wants to be known. You know, uh, Ephesians 3.10 says that for the principalities and authorities in the heavenlies, he wanted to be, he wanted to make known his wisdom, his supernatural wisdom, Ephesians 3.10. And in, here in Romans 9, uh, 22, it's his power he wants to make known. And in verse 23, it's his glory that he wants to make known. Wisdom, power, and glory. He wants to make known. And you know what, what, what grabs me is that uh, Ephesians 3, by him wanting to show this himself, his wisdom, to the principalities and powers, the spiritual beings, tells me that he not only, God not only loved the world so much that he gave us Jesus, but that he also loves his principalities and powers that he created. And I can understand how God would set up this scenario of uh, man's redemption through Jesus Christ to show his angelic <laughs> spirit beings his wisdom, his power, and his glory, because he is the God who apparently wants to be known by his creation. And so making himself known is an expression of his love. God is love. And the love motivates him to reveal himself to his creation. Now, I can understand why God would want his angels to see the punishment of Satan. To, for God to show his justice, his wisdom, and his power in the punishment of Satan and his demons, because the two-thirds of the angels that stayed with uh, Jesus, they, I'm sure that when Satan fell and was cast out, they looked around. I mean, wow, when one-third of them is kicked off the team, uh, that's going to shake up the two-thirds that are left, and they're going to wonder. Why? Why did God do that? Why did God? But then the God who wants to be known sends along Jesus and his salvation by grace and mercy to show his wisdom, his power, and his glory, and above all, his love, mm -hmm. you know, for, for his, all of his creation, spirit creation and physical creation. You know, we have a God who is love who wants to be known and wants his love to be known throughout mm -hmm. the universe. Yeah. You know, you brought up Ephesians chapter three and Ephesians chapter two and verse seven, it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And you mentioned that the angels had to, stand there and watch as the son of God was crucified yes. in the garden when Peter pulled the sword and he 
the Lord tells Peter to put your sword up, could I not now ask my father and he would presently give me 12 legions of angels. Right. And these 12 legions of angels are just a, a small portion of the angels and heavenly beings, I believe. Mm. And they, would, they had to stand by and they had to watch while the Lord Jesus was mutilated and beaten and misused. And then God turned his back on his son because of my sin. And yet it says in the ages to come, the Lord Jesus did this so that in the ages to come, he could show forth his exceeding riches. And then that verse that you quoted in 310, it says to the intent, that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Who are the principalities and powers? None other than the angels that were having to stand aside and watch while the son, the prince of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God, was misused and mutilated at the hands of sinful Amazing. men. Amazing. Amen. And then um, it says that he should be known by what? By the church, the manifold wisdom of God. So God is going to use his, his going to the cross as a testimony of his wisdom. His wisdom is going to be shown out in you and in me as we are the church. Mm. On uh, Sunday, I shared uh, some articles that I had read this past week, and I republished them in audio. But it all dealt with the death of Christ. And all of these articles are entitled, they start out, The Death of Christ, An Act of a Divine Manifestation. The Death of Christ, An Act of immeasurable suffering, the death of Christ, an act of glorious deliverance. The death of Christ was the act of unparalleled humility and the eternal existence of and the works and the reign of Christ. I read all those articles this past week, but the one about the uh, his humility is the one that really got me. It was an astonishing act of humidity, humi humility that the eternal son, the creator of the universe and the everlasting God should become a man born as a babe in a manger in Bethlehem. But he stooped even lower than this and uh, was even more amazing that in his humility, he actually took the place of a servant while he was here on earth. But he stooped even lower than this, even to the depths of his humility and demonstrated when he submitted to death even the death of the cross. You can't go any lower than that. That was the humility of Christ when he was here on earth. And every one of those articles were so beautiful. And I reproduced them all 
I read them all online. Uh, I got them on my my YouTube channel. But anyway, I wanted to uh, say about you were, Ron, when you were talking about the power of God and uh, how he demonstrated his wisdom and his riches and his glory, it even talks about he showed his mercy when he was dying on a cross. Now think about, yeah, think about this. When he was dying on the cross for sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While he was doing this, people were railing on him. Instead of thanking him for dying for us, they were saying, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross, save yourself, you know. Well, if he'd have saved himself, he wouldn't have saved us. Right. And yeah, so God knew what he was doing. His salvation was a perfect salvation. You can't get around that. Man couldn't have conceived doing something like this. Uh, so. Amen. Verse 16 here says, uh, So then it was not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Mm. Go a little further to verse 17. It says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Mm. Raises up the basest of men to be the rulers of the sons of men, and he raises them up for his purpose, and he yeah. raises them up to show the folly of men and the folly of the wisdom of men. And he raises up men who, and women as well now, to be rulers of the sons of men. We read in Isaiah, um, children shall be your oppressors and women shall rule over you. And we just, we marvel at how God uses current events, how God uses just very mundane things to accomplish his purpose and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, that he might have mercy on you and me and just like pharaoh he brought pharaoh to power and pharaoh was taken up with pharaoh he was proud of who pharaoh was but mm -hmm. pharaoh in his arrogance and his egotistical state he dared raise his fist up to god and disobey god and god took him to task and the nation of egypt paid a horrific price for the um Mm. the sins of pharaoh yeah but yeah. god got the glory in the end god is the one who got the glory mm. yeah then yeah. we come to verse 18 it says therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy and on whom he will he hardeneth mm. so we see that god has mercy on the most unlikely of people when he had mercy on me that he forgave me my sin and then we see the the clay we see the potter and the clay in 21. Mm. <coughs> well i know that um there are people that will say well god is unjust because he saves some and he doesn't save it 
everybody. But to be honest, if God was fair, uh, he would condemn everybody because we're all guilty, every one of them. It just so happens that he wants to show mercy to some, and that's his choice because he's God. But if he cast me in hell, if I would not have known his son, uh, there's no way I can lose my salvation, but I'm just using this as a metaphor that it, it's his choice. Yeah. He can do, do what he wants. And even Paul, when I started reading this chapter, when he says that he wished that he could be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of his brothers, even though he wished that, he knows it could not happen. Uh, it's an impossibility uh, because he's in God's will, God's sovereign will, that, and God is going to use him as a vessel for his honor. And he did. Verse 21, you know, it says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dishonor. And we see in Timothy that um, in a great house there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. But then we also see in Jeremiah 18, and starting at verse 4, it says, And the vessel that was made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it then the word of the lord came unto me saying o house of israel i cannot can i not do with you as with this potter saith the lord behold as the clay is in the potter's hand so are ye in my hand o house of israel and so we have that the vessel was marred and he made another vessel and the other vessel was the gentiles he made Israel, and then he brought in the, the Gentiles into his purview. And the Gentiles were blessed because of the disobedience of Israel. And I agree that at some point in time in the future, God is going to regather Israel, and they will become a nation again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mercy of God. Yeah. Yes. One thing that, uh, that you refer to there is Israel and the Gentiles. I also looked at it as Israel and a church. Yeah. Yeah. The Mark yeah. vessel was Israel, and then he made the church, created yeah. the church. Huh? Yeah. And I mean, so it's either way or Gentile. You can look at it either way. Yeah. Well, he, he brought the Gentiles into the church. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of a hint. Uh, there are little hints throughout the Old Testament. And uh, Paul uses a lot of those references in his uh, preaching through the book of Acts <laughs> uh, about how God had called the Gentiles. That's why he was preaching to the Gentiles. Yeah. Then we go on down to 23 there, and it says that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Mm -hmm. which he had afore prepared into glory unto glory mm -hmm. so it was his mercy that uh he could 
show forth his glory, the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, even us whom he hath called. Mm. Yeah, and he said, those who were not my people, I will call yep. my people. Yeah. Yep. That's Hosea. And uh, yep. his, uh, he told him to take a wife of uh, whoredom, and he married Gomer. Yep. And the first child was uh, Lower Ruma. I don't think it's my child. And the second one was Loami, which I know it's not my child. Yeah. And then God says, go and get her. And he went and got her. Yeah. So we see. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, we see. We see how that uh, dovetails in Israel's history, how God cast out his people, Israel, but he's going to regather them. He's going to bring them back. Yeah. But meanwhile, during the age of the Gentiles, the age of mercy, the age of grace that we live in now, not only do we see that uh, those who were not as people will be called as people, but her who was not beloved will be beloved. And that yeah. is the church that is yeah. made up of Jews and Gentiles. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, right into verse 26, which is, and in this very place where it was said to him, you are not my people, uh, they will be called sons of the living God. And that's what we are called if we really think about being born again born into the family of God. Pure grace. <clears throat> yes. There's a lot here taken from the Old Testament. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think the third child was Jezreel, wasn't it? Yeah. in Hosea yeah and that's when he says uh, Jezreel yeah to sow or sown of God to scatter and so <clears throat> the um, the third son of of uh, Gomer was Jezreel and that's when God speaks of um, go get verse chapter three go get go yet love a woman beloved of her friend yet an adulteress according to the love of the lord toward the children of israel who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine so i brought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and half an omer of barley mm -hmm. and i said to her thou shalt abide for me many days and thou shalt play the harlot thou shalt not play the harlot thou shalt not be for another man so, so will I be for thee and for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod, without a teraphim. And afterward, afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and the, shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So we see that 
you know, Israel is abiding many days without a king, without a prince, without sacrifice. You know, the sacrifice hasn't started yet. Eventually, it's going to all come back around and Israel's going to be in a place of blessing. Yeah. You know, this book has been written to predominantly Gentiles like the book of Hebrews was predominantly to the Israelites. This book is predominantly to the Gentiles, even though there were Jews in Rome. Uh, and I believe the audience to this book, when it was written, uh, the Gentiles had to understand what God's future plans are and how he's gonna deal with Israel as time goes on. And I believe that uh, the time of the Gentiles, uh, this age of grace that we're living in is quickly coming to a close. Yeah. And, and we're seeing things happen. And I've always said, you gotta keep your eye on Israel right. uh, and you will see how God is working, still working with Israel. He's putting everything in place. Now, the reason that Israel stumbled, and it tells us at the end of this chapter, is because there was a stumbling stone laid in Zion. And that stumbling stone was Christ and him crucified. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come and set up the kingdom. They were ready to make Christ the king at one time, but that was not God's plan. He had to be a suffering savior because that was all prophesied. But there will be a time when Christ will become king over Israel and the whole world. But before that happened, this had to happen. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, but the Jews stumbled over him. Sure did. It is so amazing that Jesus created Adam and Eve, knowing that their seed would nail him to a cross and kill his human body. Thank God his spirit didn't die on the cross. His spirit returned to the Father. But, you know, that body suffered horribly. You know, I, I, I don't know if you saw the movie The Passion, but the thing is, the doctors confirmed that the torture that Christ suffered on that day, there was enough to kill him at the whipping. He Often the flogging killed the prisoner. And yet, you know, I believe that he was supernaturally had the power to keep that body going, to keep that body to the to get to the cross, to get that body to hang on the tree until he could say it was finished. That that he knew all of that was going to happen, and he still made Adam and Eve. You know, uh, it amazes me that the God of love would subject himself to so much suffering 
in order to show his wisdom, his power, his love uh, to his creation. You know, he is the God who is love, who wants to be loved. Yeah. You think about God being eternal. Uh, we're eternal too, but he was eternal. Uh, he had no beginning. And uh, we had a beginning. Right. But before the foundation of the world, this whole plan was all laid out by God. He knows the, the beginning, our beginning, and he knows the end, uh, even though there is no end. He knows the whole plan of this age and the ages to come. There's no uh surprising god he he's got it all laid out and like you said ron knowing that adam and eve was going to sin knowing that he had to send his son to the cross to die and that painful death and all that suffering he still went ahead with it because he loves us and he wants fellowship with us. We're the ones that broke off the fellowship. When Adam and Eve ran to hide, they heard God coming. Before that, they walked in the garden and they had fellowship with him. Sin broke off that fellowship. Now he deals with the sin problem so we can now have fellowship with him. That's why we can boldly come before the throne of God. There's no stopping us now because uh, the way has been made clear. The uh, curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, top to bottom. God was the one that tore it. God right. opened the way. Thank God. You know, I, I love the parallel too, that the father created Satan and Satan, and God chose Satan. He chose yeah. Lucifer, and Lucifer betrayed him. The son, Jesus, chose Judas, and Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. The father betrayed by Lucifer, Jesus betrayed by Satan, and yeah. yet he knew all this was going to happen, and he let it happen so he could demonstrate his wisdom, his love, and his power. What an amazing God we have. Yeah. You know, if there was no evil in the world, we wouldn't know God's goodness. <laughs> that's, that's hate to say that, but that's true. Well, that brings us to the end of chapter nine, unless uh, Dan's got something else. Just one quick comment. Um, sure. You know, as it was written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. We go over to 1 Corinthians chapter one. In verse 21, it says, For that after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Yes. Yes. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, and so forth. 
But amazing. We think of you know the what they stumbled at. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Irv. Appreciate the you putting this together. Thoroughly enjoy the discourse and the back and forth, the conversation. It's wonderful. Yeah. And well, I'm enjoy I'm enjoy going through the book of Romans. I've been through it quite a bit and it seems like every time I go through it I I learn something new <laughs> there's yep. uh, yeah there's always it's something alive. new to be learned it's alive yeah well uh maybe one of you fellows can wrap it up and close in prayer and and enjoy the rest of your evening um once again our god and father what a what a joy, what a privilege. And we just thank thee for thy word. Thank thee for brethren to share it with, brethren to mm. just enjoy one another and enjoy our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank thee now for this time. Go with us throughout the remainder of the week and ask for thy blessings and guidance in all things. Pray for Ron tonight. Just ask that you would help him with his health issues and Lift him up, pray for his granddaughter, Aelia, and ask for thy mercies upon her. So we commit all things to thee now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Uh, yep. Yeah. I don't know if I told you guys, but I became a great, oh. great grandpa again. Ah, congratulations. Yeah, that's number, that's number 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Like uh, like the Bible said, my quiver is full. <laughs> Good. I meant that Irv, about your daughter. How's your daughter? Oh, uh, she's doing good. Uh, she's got uh, one more treatment, I think, and then she has a lull for a while, and then she'll be going through radiation. Uh, but uh, she's lost all her hair, and uh, but she's dealing with it, you know. She's a strong cookie. <laughs> Good. Yeah, and I, th I think she'll come out okay. Good. Well, you're our prayers and thanks yeah. again. Lord bless you. And you all okay. have a good. Yep. Yeah. Well, see you guys next time. Bye bye. Bye.